0: And on ScoreNorth.com. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North
1: Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. I always enjoy bringing you the latest. This is The Scoop. It's The Scoop with Darren Dookie-Wolfson from 5 Eyewitness News. And a- we go. Hello, Scoop Podcast faithful. It is Friday night, the 24th of January, right here on Score North on 1500scorenorth.com. This is Scoop Podcast episode 276. We are now going on nearly four years strong. We debuted this podcast April of 2016. They haven't kicked us out of the studio yet. Sunday will be a fun day at Williams Arena. The Gophers finally, after all these years, will put number 34, Willie Burton's likeness, into the Raptors. Yes, you need to have your degree, but he went back and got his degree a few years ago, actually 2012. Why didn't this take place 2014, 2015, 2016? But... It is finally taking place. Make no mistake, Willie Burton, 1986-1990, to 1990, is one of the all-time great Gophers. Certainly one of the all-time great Gophers scorers, among the best scores in Gophers history. His junior year, he led the team to the Sweet 16. His senior year, he led the team to the Elite Eight. What an epic game. 93-91, they lose in the Superdome in New Orleans to Georgia Tech. Dennis Scott had like 40 points that game. Kenny Anderson had 30. Willie Burton had 30-something. The Gophers were oh so close. March of 1990, we're near the 30-year anniversary. They were so close to making the Final Four. Anyway, Sunday will be a special day where they will honor the Gophers' will, Willie Burton. I was with Willie Burton on Thursday morning in Burnsville. He was giving a motivational speech to high school students. I caught up with Willie after that speech. Here's my conversation with Willie Burton. Willie, here's how I know that you're the man. You had all these high school kids just mesmerized, captivated by your speech. When it comes to inspiring and motivating youth, how much pride do you take in that?
2: I take a a tremendous amount of pride in inspiring and motivating youth. I take the same amount of pride I did as a basketball player, uh, even more so, because now you're dealing with instilling information that could save someone's life one day.
1: How did you come about doing this? I mean, we know that you went back to school. You were so close to getting your degree. You go back, what was that, 2012, you end up getting your degree. Mm -hmm. Now you're close to getting your master's, I heard? Yes. And, I mean, how did you get involved in in wanting to motivate the youth?
2: Well, in motivating the youth, you have to serve as an example, Uh, leadership. Uh, Also, understand the topic that you're talking about. You can't give out something that you don't have. And I find it interesting for me to gain as much knowledge and understanding as I can about the topic and the subject that I'm dealing with. Secondly, finding out more keys to open up information within myself to create more content. I mean, are you still
1: opening up keys when it comes to information about yourself?
2: Yes. I mean, give us a recent example. A Recent example is, um, let me see. I was teaching a class yesterday in college uh, at Wayne State University. Um, and I noticed the athletes on one side and the non-athletes on the other side. Cognitively, we automatically bond because it's something familiar to us, not just with race and religion and culture, but also with athletes because that's a culture in itself. And what's different about athletics and other cultures is, typically the cultures over here may be religious, color-based, gender-based, something like that, right? But the athletes, it can be all religions, all colors, but they have that one thing in common called athletics. Pretty powerful. So you're
1: teaching at Wayne State? I mean, is that a regular gig? I mean, you're giving speeches. I mean, you're a busy guy. I mean, I guess what what is keeping you busy on a day-in and day-out basis? I mean, is that it?
2: Is there more there? Well... There's more there. I'm still, I'm finalizing some of my learning and understanding. I'm about to release a, a curriculum nationally, uh, the XLU curriculum. Um, you know, if, if there's two things that I would, 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 well, if really there's one thing that I would want while I'm here, I mean, for myself, selfishly, because my jersey going up, that's all of us going up. I mean, really, that's the, the reality of it. We're all going up. Teammates, coaches, everyone else, um, friends, people who cook me meals that no one knew about. Um, we're all going up, but in the grand scheme of things, if if I wanted something, if I was to ask for something, I want to come back here and start working with these schools. I want to start working with the governor and the Department of Education and, and start engaging because I see some things here that look very familiar. So, um, and I think I can help. Remind us how you ended
1: up in Minnesota, I mean how many how many offers did you have coming out of high school? Quite a few. The, the state of Michigan, I mean Michigan, Michigan State, or other schools yeah. in Michigan want you?
2: Yeah. Michigan, Michigan State. Iowa, Iowa State. I just go into the vicinity around you. Um, Purdue, um, Nebraska. So you had all these options. So yeah. for
1: Clem to convince you to come here, I mean, that was a big-time
2: recruiting win. The city. The opportunity came because two of my, two of my high school coaches, former players, are here. Charlie, Charlie Hallman, the Minnesota writer, sports writer, I think. Mm-hmm. Charlie Hallman and Larry Ellis. Charlie Hallman was a writer. Larry Ellis, a Lawrence Ellis, was a scorekeeper with the Gophers. Wow, so just happenstance, small world. But more importantly, more importantly, you know, I think you underestimate the power of the Twin Cities. For someone who's been trained the way I have, is to go to school um, and use school as a tool to better your life and the life of your family. You, you did The platform and the stage here is insurmountable. And at the same time, here's something else. You have no competing schools. It's not in Michigan, Michigan State, Western, Eastern. In the metro Detroit area, you got Michigan, Michigan State. We got Eastern. We Detroit. got Western. We got U of D. You got Wayne State. Yeah. And here, it's pretty much... One. Now, I heard St. Thomas is going to step out into yeah, Division one. Yeah, hopefully in a one. couple okay. of years,
1: but that's not even, I mean, that's not 100% definitive right this second, so you're right. It is rare for a state this size to have one Division one program. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Alright, so, so,
1: on Sunday, why didn't this happen years ago? I, I know that you, you have to have your degree, right, but why didn't this happen in 2014 or 2015? What What took so long? I mean, to me, Thirty-four always need to be up in the rafters.
2: You have to wait your turn. There's no way I go up before Randy Brewer. He, he, Randy earned his. Randy, he did. He put his work on before I put my work in. Man, and and I would I would argue as anybody who'd argue that. And I think sometimes if we if we're not careful, we lose track of 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 hierarchy. And 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 understanding the the nature of how things should be done respectfully. I have no problem with that at all. Matter of fact, he was one of the guys, I used to look at his picture and I used to lift in the weight room, so he helped motivate me also. And um, I'm just, and the University of Minnesota is special and it just doesn't retire anyone's number. And you have to be doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't just be, just because you scored a bunch of points, be an idiot and just expect your jersey to go up you got to have your documents in order and your life in order and be a positive pillar of the community. Are you an emotional one? I mean, can you visualize that moment
1: on Sunday when you're standing at center court and you look up and that black drape comes off and there's your likeness hanging in the rafters? Can you visualize that moment?
2: I can hear the Williams Arena crowd in my ear right now. I can hear them. I've heard them so many times and the roar, the the roar because of Williams Roof is so close. I can hear the roar of the fans in my ear right now. It's something that's one thing I will never forget. You know, is the roar of the Williams Arena fan. And I don't know if they stomp or they rattle or what, but stuff stuff is is banging up in there. I don't know what. To this day, I don't know what they're doing. And maybe I get a chance to watch and see because I was, you know, in the past I was worried about the games.
1: I'll tell you one thing that that I can't forget you guys should have made a Final Four. I mean, whether it was your junior year or senior year, I mean, I think about senior year. I mean, that game against Georgia Tech, you had, what, 30-something. Kenny Anderson goes off. Dennis Scott goes off. You guys score in the 90s. You end up losing by two points. I just feel like whether it was your junior year or senior year, you guys should have made a Final Four.
2: Check the free throws of that game. Play close attention. Mm -hmm. Play really close attention to my free throws. That'll help answer that question.
1: Do you think about that game often?
2: We all think about it, but it just wasn't in the cards for us. We had achieved well beyond what we should have. We had a great opportunity to win that game. My opinion, we should have won the game. But I think we sparked something that was really needed here in the Twin Cities and I think we answer a lot of questions about ourselves and we could pass information on that we do to this day is that just because you're down don't count me out.
1: You're right I mean I think about maybe the early 80s and where Gopher basketball was and everything going on with Gophers basketball you're right in many ways your years with the Gophers especially that run March of 1990 but also the run to the Sweet 16 the year prior I mean, that was, you're right, that was, that was sorely needed when it came to, to Gophers basketball.
2: Yep. Right place at the right time. What does Clem Haskins mean to you? Clem Haskins means everything to me. Um, he guided me in a way that I needed to be guided. He answered the questions I needed to be answered. Um, I missed one game at the University of Minnesota in my four years because I missed one class. One. So, the work ethic you see in me was instilled by the men who guided me. And those men didn't make excuses, didn't take shortcuts. And if there's something wrong, figure out a way to get out of it. Figure out a way to put yourself in a position so you can deal with it and move on. Great lesson. So Coach Hattons is very important to me. Coach Hassen is important to me just as, as well as the rest of the coaches, though. Coach Barnes, Coach McKinney, um, and I think that should be noted. Uh, you know, everyone played a part, but your, your band is only as strong as, as strong as your band leader.
1: How come I heard you mention to the students you were, you were never a captain? I guess if I was asked, I mean I don't remember who specifically was, I don't know, was was
2: Coffee, was Newburn, I don't know. You Coffee, Newburn and and You and, can tell and, uh, me, but and Lewis.
1: Like if, if they somebody had said to, to me, captains. Hey, was Willie Burton a captain? I would have been like, Well yeah,
2: I assume he was. No, they deserve to be captains. They deserve to be captains. I I you know, they deserve to be captains. I I wasn't more or less a symbolic leader like, oh, you know, I'm gonna stand up here and Hold the torch all night, you know, that that wasn't me, you know? If I needed to, I would. But I'm 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 a when the when the when the gladiators start to happen and when when the when the fight is going on and and I don't put in that word, when the competition is 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 engaged and I that's when I'm at my best. That's when I'm at my best. You know? And that's my strength. Broken nose, you said
1: multiple knee surgeries? Surgery on your wrists? Calf? Like how many, how many surgeries? Quite a few. How many surgeries while at the U? Or how many injuries? I mean, we all remember the mask. I
2: had a surgery at the U my sophomore year. Right before my junior year.
1: I mean, pretty nuts just to think about just the way you put your body on the line.
2: It's not even a thought of putting my body on the line. It's it's, this is what I do. This is what I do. And this is what comes along with what I do. Now I need to get myself together because I've got to get up on that.
1: So when you say get up on that, I mean, that does mean a lot. Even though you're telling us that it's a team thing, it's not just an individual thing, but to you, being up there, it does it. it. means a lot, doesn't it?
2: It was It was always a goal. It was always a goal that pushed me through a lot of things and made me make some different decisions. Because, you know, you have to think about, because um, I could be a loose cannon, let's just be upfront. I mean, I, was, I wanted to be a normal student, I wanted to be a normal, No more kid. But Coach Hassett came at me and told me, you can't be normal. So I had to figure out how I can do both. Sometimes I got in trouble. (laughs) How close did
1: you come to leaving school? Was there ever a moment freshman year, sophomore year?
2: Yeah. Yeah, you have moments. Everyone has moments like that. Yeah. You have moments where you question whether you want to be here or not, the kind of pressure that goes along with it, the stress. And then you realize it's just now, 10 minutes later, 20 minutes later, it goes away. You go, okay, then the light bulb comes on. Wow, if I just don't overreact over everything, everything will be okay. (laughs) We call it uh, um, temporary amnesia.
1: What's your passion like today for for the Gophers? We talked to to Richard Pitino the other day, and he noted, you know, they're they're in East Lansing or, or they're in
2: Ann Arbor. You're oftentimes right there, cheering them on. Yeah, and I want to do that, but I have to be careful not to become competitive. You know, I'm here to support. You know, it's hard. That that that's kind of hard. Sometimes it just kind of spills out. You know. But you
1: watch every game? I mean, I watch every game. I have it right
2: on my phone. I know exactly what's going on with them. I know exactly what's going on with them when they win, when they don't, when they double overtime, so on and so forth. So, like tonight,
1: they're playing at Ohio State. You will go out of your way to make sure that you're in front of a television or at least
2: watch it on your phone? I'll I'll watch it and I'll know what's what's going on. I, I can tell you who. Who played with, who shot with, both and them, the other team. I don't know. I have to look at both. You would think, I don't look at the Gophers, I only look at what the Gophers done. No, I want to look at what the other team did also because I want to kind of kind of, compare.
1: They have some good players, don't they? I mean, Daniel Oturo and Marcus Carr. Yeah,
2: but I think what's being mis- misled is that the Gophers are one of the best defensive teams in the country. I think that's what's being missed. I think if you look at the low scores that everyone has, and the low scores and them playing them to double overtime in their gym, two overtimes at Purdue? I mean, come on. I mean, come on. You know, so that's defense in in itself. And I think um, they do a wonderful job of it, you know.
1: Another thing you brought up with the kids was, was the 50 point game. So, correct me if I'm wrong. So, the Miami Heat let you go, right? They just said, unfortunately, Willie, we're, we're done with you. They send you on your way. Well, I still had a contract with them. Okay, so they, they release you, though, right? And Philadelphia. I won't be there. Okay, See, okay. this is. But so some... Philadelphia then picks you up. Yeah. And it was like, was it just a couple months later you dropped the 50 bomb on Miami?
2: Yeah. But I haven't talked with them for a year about releasing me. This that, that wasn't anything new. I've been talking with them for a year. I mean I, it got to a point where I was literally wearing shirts. You know? <laughs> so shirts that like said, free me or what? I still got it to this day. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even want to talk about it. I got it from the fish to say Pittsburgh. That's where I got it from, and I should have never watched it as a kid because I used that as, a, oh my God, you're young, you don't know what you're doing, and it's like, yeah, but that's where I was with them and they were with me, and um, you know it was a good time, don't get me wrong, but it was just kind of time, it was just, just kind of time.
1: Well, What's it like when you're in a zone like that, though, so okay, so you score 50-something points, you mentioned it to the kids, and I know it, it's, it's 19 field goal attempts. That's never happened in NBA history, right? I mean, normally you score 50-something points. You have at least 20, if not 25, or 30 field goal attempts. You score 50-something points with 19 field goal attempts.
2: A lot of threes. Half of them, half of them were eight with three-pointers. You still need to make them, though. Yeah, half of them were three-pointers. What's it like being in a zone like that? Man, when you get green lights, you, it's different. I mean, Let me really put it that way. It's much different than... Uh, when you get green lights to score, it's, you don't worry about misses as much. You don't, and you have a freedom to to kind of score. And, and from that point on, I had that kind of freedom to to make my way to do the you know. But I, I mean, even the year before that, I could score twenty points in twenty minutes. So when I'm, if you start adding it up and equating it, I was capable of that. But I was never needed to do it to that extent. And at that night, and I think I had, I mean, I was scoring forty and. I mean, it was. I was scoring points. You know, you just make everything. I mean, I coming off the bus going. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, you're right. I mean, you could score just like that. It actually surprises me that you're not number one in Gophers history in total points. You're up there, but you're not one.
2: No, I had. It said, surprises me. Well, let's let's say this. I had. I had Bob Martin, Richard Coffee. Melvin Newburn, Kevin Lynch. Shikajansky? You no, know, Bob Martin. Yeah. I had five of my teammates playing in the NBA.
1: Okay. <laughs> Shikajansky was on the team, too, and he was mm-hmm. a good player. So you're right. There were so many good players around you. So how hard was that at times to, to not say, okay, I know I can get 30
2: tonight, but I'm going to have to defer. No, you need that. It just makes the game easier. If I've got two or three guys I can, I can get the ball to, and they're going to punish you, it makes it easy for me. So I need you to score a couple buckets. I need you to score these three buckets. Get these guys off me.
1: <laughs> I'll let you go after this. How, how close is that bond among all you guys? I mean, we talked about tonight, you're going out to dinner with Richard and, and some of the other guys. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean is it Darn your daily contact? I mean, are you seeing these guys on a and, and regular a basis? At a moment's notice,
2: when we have time to stick our heads up from our families or what's going on, we contact, we, we're cracking jokes on Facebook. We're always on it. And, and, and just when you think someone's disappeared, let someone say something bad about someone, and all of a sudden you hey, man, what's going on over here? You know, that's the athletic culture I was talking about that exists in the classroom that is a part of you and will be a part of you forever. And you almost miss, you have to have it in your life from time to time because it's such a part of you. And we'll have that this weekend. We will have that. We'll have that this weekend, and we need it. I'm happy. I'm happy for all of this. I'm I'm very appreciative for my jersey, but I'm also happy that I get to talk to people, and I get to hear their stories. They get to hear my stories. We get to share history together about a special time.
1: That was my conversation, fun conversation with... Former gopher Willie Burton, Sunday, Williams Arena, gophers against Michigan State. The gophers finally, it should have been done years ago. Finally, we'll put Willie Burton's likeness into the rafters at Williams Arena. Number 34, Willie Burton will live forever in the bar. Let's continue in this first segment of the Scoop Podcast episode 276 on this Friday night with my conversation. From Monday with Twins pitching coach Wes Johnson. I caught up with Wes on one of the legs of the Twins caravan. My brief conversation with Twins pitching coach Wes Johnson. And here it is. Wes, I suppose with this week with Twins Fests, with you being back in town, I mean, is this really when things start to ramp up for the 2020 season?
3: Yeah, you know, I mean, this is when for me as a, you know, personally, I get really starting to really get excited. Um, no, they've been, they've been going pretty much since uh, November for us. You know, we start to look at stuff. Uh, Rocko and I start talking about, you know, what, what do we need to do different, if anything, with some guys. And then you're looking into free agency and all those kind of things. But no, Twins Fest, you, your blood starts pumping. You're like, all right, it's close. Let's get, let's get going.
1: How much have things slowed down for you? Like, I think about this time last year, how much of a whirlwind it must have been. Are things now, you know, in terms of just slowing down, is that an accurate assessment?
3: No, yeah, it was very accurate. I mean, it's slowed down for me now. I, it, it's not that you, you know, you never think you know it all. But, um, yeah, you've got a better idea of what you're going into. And um, so, yeah, it makes it a lot easier, and it has slowed down. sure
1: has. What's this offseason been like as you see, you know, whether it's a Zach Wheeler come off the board or a Bumgarner or a Ryu, and you're like, okay, how are we going to help the pitching staff? But then, lo and behold, you get this guy who actually should have multiple gold gloves, if not for Adrian Beltre, this guy that will help the pitching staff just in a different way in Josh Donaldson.
3: Well, you know, I said last year in spring training, I said, for example, Byron Buxton, if he plays 150 games in center field, we're we're a better pitching staff if we don't change anything. And uh, I'll make that comment about Josh Donaldson as well. You know, you you look, we get a healthy Byron Buxton back, and you get a Josh Donaldson at third base, and, and you're instantly better as a pitching staff just because of their defense ability.
1: Is there one guy? I mean, there's probably multiple, but like one guy you can look at and say, "Okay, that guy's going to have a breakout year. Or that guy's going to take another step." Like for me, it's it's Latell. Like I think there's more there, but maybe for you, it's Duffy, it's May, maybe it's Barrios so it or is he. But like for me, it's Latell. But is there is there one guy in particular that jumps out to you? Well, I've
3: I've got a couple. I, how about how about a couple? Um, no, Zach Latell. You know, obviously, I've, I've thrown with a couple of these guys this off season. Um, and then talking with him, I, I think Zach Littell going to have, have a chance to have a breakout year. Uh, we signed a young man, Matt Whistler, who was with Seattle last year. I really like what Matt's doing. Um, I think he has a chance. And then, of course, you know, we need Tyler Dovey and Trevor May and, and Taylor Rogers and Sergio Romo and Tyler Clippard and those guys to continue to do what they've been doing. But, yeah, there's some bullpen guys down there without talking about, you know, a Gratterall or a Cody Stashek, another guy. There's three or four of these guys who could have a really good
1: year. What is the plan for Gratterall? I mean, is it to maybe start him in the minors and, and be a starter and work his way up to the major league level at some point during the summer?
3: Uh, you know, we've got a couple of things we need to figure out with, with him as far as is his role. Um, we know right now we, we feel real confident he can help us out of the bullpen. We'll just have to see how that progresses through spring training. You brought up
1: Clippard's name. Mm-hmm. As you assess Tyler Clippard, what will he bring?
3: Uh, I joke, this This guy can roll out of bed on Christmas morning and go get three outs in a ball game. Uh, no, he's just a professional. The, the, my short time around Tyler, I went down to Tampa and threw with him uh, a couple weeks ago or a week ago, I guess now, and and very, very professional. Knows what to do, knows his routine, knows uh, everything, how to get his body ready, his arm ready, his mind ready. and. And you take all that into consideration. I'm really excited. We have Tyler. He's gonna he's gonna be a, a great piece in that bullpen for us.
1: Another newcomer, Homer Bailey. Your thoughts?
3: Yeah, I've talked to Homer obviously, and talked. To, I'm really excited about Homer. Uh, I think he another guy who could really not. Is it is it hard or is it uh, fair to you know say this guy could have a great year? He's got two no hitters under his belt. But I think talking with Homer. He, he did a few things different in Oakland without getting into those, uh, and he had a really good you know second half of the season last year. We're going to try to continue to carry those over, and, and hopefully um, he'll have a, a good year for us.
1: Rich Hill, to me, is like a really nice lottery ticket. I mean, hopefully he's okay after that surgery in November. Like, you look at his numbers the last handful of years, he's right up there with a lot of guys. So I guess it just comes down to how will he respond after the surgery?
3: Yeah, th- that's the biggest question mark right now. I mean, you know, talking with Rich, I mean, this guy's a competitor, man. You, can, you, you feel it when you're talking to him on the telephone. And, and uh, yeah, w- the biggest question mark is how is he going to respond after
1: surgery? And then on Barrios is there another ceiling there i mean so good for so many stretches but then i think about his start in the playoffs and that's not fair right yankee stadium that bandbox, box that lineup but like there's a part of me that says there's still more there with jose
3: yeah jose and i've had some good conversations this offseason we, we we changed this plan up a little bit we're we're going to get more out of him that's our plan hopefully we will right and um uh no i, I think the ceiling is still very high for jose and and we're going to continue to work, and, and and let me tell you, this guy works nonstop. We we almost have to peel him back and slow him down, but we've changed a few things with Jose this off season. I'm really excited to see how he comes out in spring. And
1: then I'll just leave you after this. I mean, there's a lot of fans clamoring for yet another starter. Like, okay, yeah, Josh, but like, is there more there? I mean, from your from your you know conversations with the front office and with Rocco, do you sense that they're still maybe looking at another starter?
3: Uh, you know I, I don't get caught up too much in that I really focus on what we have I really like our young guys devin Smeltzer Randy Dobnack Lewis Thorpe Sean Poppin there's a couple other names I you know I can throw out there but um, hey we're gonna I'm gonna work every day with what they give me, and and if we get another one, great. If we don't, great. We're going to be fine.
1: Twins pitching coach Wes Johnson, he just brought up the name Randy Dobnak. I also had a chance to catch up briefly with Randy on Monday. We actually had to do the interview outside. It was freezing on Monday, so here is my brief conversation with Twin starter Randy Dobnack. Looking at like where you were January of 2019 compared to January of 2020, is it just crazy how much has changed for you?
4: Yeah, I mean, everything – has changed like from you know I got married baseball has completely changed you know this time last year I was actually in Fort Myers already uh going to some camps a a velo camp was ahead you know just preparing for the season you know just trying to you know get a spot out of spring training and you know high double a wherever it would be and this year it's like okay now I have an actual chance you know to break camp in the big leagues you know it's really exciting um my family's excited and my wife she's really excited I mean just, overall, it's been an incredible year. I mean, how do you look at things? I mean, with Pineda
1: still serving his suspension with Rich Hill out, it looks like, you know, like multiple starters are needed, even if there's some off days, at least. Minimum, a number four starter is needed, yeah. you know, late March into early April. Like, how do, you, how do you size up things?
4: I see it as, you know, there's right now, there's like you said, there's two open spots, um, or one through three guys. I mean, they're, they're set, and they're really good. But, like, Pineda and Hill, they're going to be out a little bit. Um, so, for me, it's like, you know, there's two open spots. And if I can perform well enough, you know, in spring training, you never know what can happen. I mean, look at last year. You never know what can happen. So, yeah, I, mean, I, mean, that's, I mean, it's exciting. Never in a million years did we think
1: you'd start Game 2, right, of of the Divisional Series. As you look back at Game 2 and your start at Yankee Stadium,
4: what what stands out now a couple months later? I mean, it's – me and my wife always talk about She's like, you realize you pitched Game 2 at Yankee Stadium, right? I was like – yeah, I mean it's still you know blows my mind just the opportunity that came up th- for me, you know just to have that experience. I mean something I always remember, and I'm really hoping I get another chance at it.
1: <laughs> what are you
4: working on? Like, are there certain things you're working on this winter? Your conversations with Wes, others
1: with the twins. Are there certain things you're pinpointing that okay I need to work on this and continue to work on it when I get down to Fort
4: Myers? Uh, for me, it's just about being consistent. Um, you know, I'm a strike, I'm a strike thrower, so I need to work on you know. Locating inside, outside with all three of my pitches, you know, fastball, slider, and changeup or sinker, I guess. But, um, just, you know, just being more consistent, staying healthy. Um, having all those things, I think will help me out. Twins pitcher,
1: Randy Dobnack. When we come back, we'll continue the baseball dialogue. Stay with us, plus I'll empty out my figurative notebook. Stay with us. It is Scoop Podcast episode 276. Welcome back, Scoop Podcast faithful. Score North faithful. It is Score North on 1500 on this Friday night, the 24th of January. We continue here on Scoop Podcast episode 276. Yesterday I had the chance to watch Nick Anderson throw off a mound for the first time since he appeared in Game 5 last October of that playoff series that Tampa lost to Houston. Nick Anderson, Twin Cities resident, Minnesota native, former Twins minor leaguer. He's been on the podcast a bunch. He, statistically speaking was one of the best relievers in all of baseball last year. The Twins let him go, traded him for nothing to the Marlins, and he ended up getting off to a great start with the Marlins. Then last July, the trade deadline, the Marlins make a transaction with the Rays. The Rays picked up Anderson, and as good as he was in Miami, Anderson was even better for Tampa August, September, into October. So anyway, yesterday was the first time he threw off the mound. He's thrown some flat ground stuff, but yesterday was the first time he threw off the mound since that game. Game 5 loss against the Astros. Anyway, after he threw off the mound, I caught up with Nick Anderson, the Upper Midwest Player of the Year. He was honored at last night's Diamond Awards. Here's my conversation with Rays reliever Nick Anderson. Let's just continue that dialogue on camera, Nick. I mean, this offseason compared to previous offseasons, I mean, so much different, right?
5: Yeah, it's... I mean, it's way shorter. (laughs) It is. So it's been interesting to try to figure out a schedule. um, And because I've never been through this kind of offseason before. So to try to figure out uh, it's new. So I'm kind of learning as I go for for this offseason. Okay,
1: so we're talking here on January 23rd. It was your first time throwing off the mound this offseason. I mean, how did it go? How did it feel?
5: Yeah, not too bad actually. Uh, hopefully, it looked all right. And, uh, no, it, it felt pretty good actually. Uh, and my has been feeling feeling good, and uh, which is, I don't know, that's a blessing because I threw a bunch last year and uh, first year in the big leagues too. It's everything's a little more heightened for stress level. Um, so yeah, I'm am actually I'm pretty happy with where I'm at right now. I mean, when you say feel good, like how do you define that? How do you know it felt good? Just like no aches and pains really. Or, you know, like not just dead and, and sore. Um, and just, yeah, body, body feels all right. So, um, yeah, that's as far as like mechanics and like rhythm and that kind of stuff. That, that's never gonna, that's never gonna be like spot on right away. I guess for some people maybe, but for me, it, it's always after taking time off. Um, you kind of just that's you work through that and kind of kind of got to find that again. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense I mean, that's what spring training is for right when you get down to
1: Florida You've got many weeks to prepare for you know opening days not until you know March 26th or something like that
5: Yeah, um, you know, I and I, I still feel like I, I got to be ready and make a team um, so it's it's kind of where it's like towing the line a little bit um, you know because I, I don't like to plan on anything Um and take anything easy like oh yeah i, I got a spot or, or or anything like that you know um i still got to go in and make a team so it's uh i still got to be ready um at least decent to to get down to spring but yeah it's that's what spring training is for uh some guys can take it a little bit easier yeah i think because you know they're under contract or whatever then so it's you know kind of guaranteed that they got a spot but um yeah, it's everything usually ends up working out, and that's why I just I don't know keep believing everything's gonna work out. I mean, I think everything will work out. Like, where does where does that attitude come from? Like, I can sit here and say, like, 100,
1: percent you are a lock to be on the 25-man opening day roster, but like in your mind, you don't feel like you're a lock.
5: No, I don't. I don't like to take things easy or take things for granted. So, um, I, I, it's, I feel like bad things happen when when you do that. So, I try to keep my mindset that that's not a lock um whether people i always joke around about it but and people are like shut up shut up and i'm like no seriously like that's that's my that's my attitude um you know i think even if i had signed a deal or whatever you know it's i still think i would still have that attitude like i'll have to make a team um and i don't know maybe it's just easier for for me than just for like working out and going through the grind i was I don't know. Maybe it makes it all easier. I don't. I don't know where. I don't know where I don't know where, the, don't know where it developed. Um, I mean, maybe it's just your
1: professional story. Like you know, you were at the Tri City Shark not that long ago playing town ball. Like you're a great story of perseverance. Why would you ever just rest on? Hey, I'm guaranteed this when you've always had to fight for stuff.
5: Yeah, maybe. And just kind of enjoying the journey and, and the process. And I guess that's if you don't if you don't look at it. Um, I don't know. It, it, it does. It just makes things easier, I guess. When you go and you put in the work and you're just like, hey, it's it's normal. Um, and then, because I, I kind of look back this offseason, I'm like, man, it's, I don't know, it's January 23rd already. I'm like, I don't even know what I've been doing. <laughs> but I've been in the gym. I, I've been doing stuff. Um, but I think it's just so, so normal at this point. As you look back at last year, how enjoyable was last year? I, I've definitely had a little more time for it to sink in. Um, and it's it was nothing short of awesome really um it just yeah i guess finally to to make it and then obviously perform well too that always makes things better <laughs> you know you, you don't usually talk to too many people that perform well and they're like oh man it sucked um no <laughs> right right so no it was uh it was awesome and uh it's i'm looking forward to this year and just you know, trying to try to play as long as I can. Is it tougher
1: to make the majors or maintain your spot once in the majors? I don't know. I'm only a year under my belt. <laughs> you maintained it for the duration of the season
5: for, for the year, for the year, yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I think it really fluctuates for different different people. Um, you know, it's higher draft picks, whatever, um, and you do good. It's the, you know, they tend to move those guys quicker. Um, that's just the business. That's the way it is. So. Uh, it it kind of fluctuates I personally think that Um, you know we'll see what this year brings and hopefully good things but it's I know that's I feel like that's been a discussion for a long time is is it you know they say it's easy to get there but it's not easy to stay there Um, but I I treat it just like any other level really Um, you got to perform at any other level to stay there so what what really is the big difference when you think about 2020 and you talk
1: about this year,
5: what are some goals you have for this year? Just stay healthy and be able to help the team as much as I can, throw um, them as much as possible. And I guess kind of just like last year, really. Just I'm sur- I was surprised myself that, what was it, 60, after playoffs, 68 appearances or something or whatever, something like that. Um, so I, I kind of surprised myself. I was like, hey, I just made it all the way through healthy. And, uh, you know, I've been super fortunate uh, and been, been healthy for, you know, haven't really had any bad things happen. So, um, yeah, just just have another good year and have fun. Enjoy it again and uh, uh, make some more memories with some teammates and, and coaches. And just, yeah, just have a good time and play baseball, really. That was part of my conversation
1: yesterday with
5: Twin Cities
1: resident, Tampa Bay Rays reliever, one of the best relievers in baseball in 2019, Nick Anderson. I was at a luncheon earlier today hosted by the Twins. I talked to a number of Twins luminaries, including owner Jim Polad. Here's my back and forth from earlier today with Twins owner Jim Polad. Mr. Polad, I mean, as exciting as last year was... I mean, I don't know what your expectations were at this point last year entering the year, but now seeing what took place, like what's your excitement level heading into the 2020 season?
6: Well, first of all, I guarantee you that all 30 owners have high expectations going into every year. Our expectations, I mean, last year at this time, we are clearly, we weren't coming off as good a year in 2018 as 2019 turned out to be. So do we have high expectations? Yes, but we always do. And is it going to be a 100-plus win season? I don't know, but I hope it's a, a division championship season. And that's the most important thing.
1: Investing all the money you've invested this offseason, you know, with Josh Donaldson at the top. But, I mean, among all teams in baseball, you guys are top five in money spent this offseason. What sort of message does that send the fan base? I'm sure you're aware of this, that people out there perception of reality, have always said, oh, those poll ads, they won't spend the money. What message does this send the fans that, yeah, you will spend money?
6: I mean, it uh, it's, it's just, all it does is reaffirm what we've told the organization all along, that we will, upon their recommendation and, a, and, and a ability to get a transaction done. And so the credit is to Derek and Thad and to Josh Johnson and his agent to be willing partners and then ultimately conclude the negotiation. We're not trying to send any kind of message to the fans other than the overall message that we want to win, whether that's the development of players within the system or occasionally signing free agents,
1: is there still some leeway? Like, if if Derek and Thad come to you and say, "Hey, we can trade for this pitcher. We're going to give up a couple minor leaguers, but we're taking on, you know, who knows, maybe five million or ten million
6: dollars." Do they have that sort of flexibility? Definitely. I mean, I'll be the first to admit I fall into the the trap of falling in love with prospects. And so the you know you hear about some of these players for a long period of time, if they're you know drafted out of high school, and then you know when somebody comes say well we have to give up X Y or Z that's hard, but I'm, we're definitely open to it. It's not the money part for me. It's more about these people that you. I mean I'm not some personal friend of all these guys, but you hear about them and you really you kind of really get enamored with them.
1: As you look at your colleague in Houston, Mr. Crane, and the way he's handled that situation, like if you had dialogue with him? How, from afar, do you view his role and just everything going on down in Houston?
6: No, he's in a, I don't have dialogue with him, first of all. He's in a tough spot, but I think he's handled it really well because it's, it's difficult. It's really a difficult situation, and I certainly hope that we're never in that position. But I, if, if we were um, and handled it the way Jim hands, I'd be happy. I mean, any questions you have for, like, a Marwin Gonzalez who's on your team who was a member of the Houston Astros? No, I don't have I, I don't. I mean, I love Marwin Gonzalez. I won't say he's my favorite player, but he's right up there. So well, my questions would be about that kind of stuff. Who is your favorite player? I'm not going to say. I'm not going to say. Well, A, the one reason I was not going to say is because every time I tell Derek or Thad or back in the Terry Ryan days, they traded that person. So it's like a curse to them. You realize, though, whoever your favorite player is, you could give that player a no-trade clause. Uh, yes, but that would be impeding progress and development. I'm not going to do that. But I'll tell you that Marwin's right up there.
1: And as you look at the job Rocco did in his first year, like, you know, as your relationship with Rocco has grown? Like, what's your relationship with Rocco and how much respect do you have for him coming into a situation that was new to him and the way he navigated
6: last year? I mean, Rocco is a, he's a truly special person and really fun to engage with, whether you're talking about baseball or talking about life. He's just really easy to talk to and just engaging. So I don't have as close a relationship with him as Dave St. Peter does or as Thad or Derek do. But um, we're going to go to uh, New York tomorrow to see him get his honor and just really want to do that because I love the guy. Twins owner Jim Pollard, Derek
1: Falvey, will also be on that private jet tomorrow. They will jet off to New York where Rocco will be honored for being the 2019 American League Manager of the year. Speaking of Derek, Derek Falvey has a new title now. What is it? It's President of Operations. I also had a chance earlier today to catch up with Derek Falvey. Derek, I mean, I always ask you this when we talk at this luncheon, but like this weekend, Twins Fest really in many ways symbolizes the start of, in this case, the 2020 season.
0: Yeah, it certainly does. You know, I, I think about off seasons of baseball now, and you know this as well as anybody. It used to be that you got a lot of your work done by December, and you could talk at Twins Fest about the finality of your roster. Uh, that hasn't been the case over the last few off seasons. But hopefully for us, you know, the the heavy lifting for this group is done. Uh, We feel really good about the club that will be here, uh, start out in Fort Myers here in a couple weeks. One week, but hectic week? Like, are you holding up okay? It's been a long week for you. <laughs> Definitely. I, I think back to uh, the beginning, whether it's caravan stops or, you know, other, other events that we've had uh, at Josh Donaldson press conference and then dinner that night. You know, I haven't spent as much time at home as I'd like, my wife would like, uh, but certainly it's, it's 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 exciting. You know, we're, we're in a great spot. I get a chance to go on Saturday night to, to honor Rocco, be a part of that for manager of the year. So uh, we'll take it. If, if good things are happening around Twins baseball and people are excited, I'll take it.
1: And your excitement level, I mean, I don't know, call me nuts, but I think you maybe could have had the Red Sox job if you wanted this winter. You chose to stay. You signed a new contract. I mean, just everything, you know, everything you experience both off the field, on the field here in this community, just, you know, further, you know, solidify that, hey, I want to be here long term?
0: Yeah, you know, when I got here a few years ago, you know, the way I've always looked at it, Jim Polad and Dave St. Peter and the Twins organization took a chance on me. Um, You know, I was nobody. And and I was somebody that was just working really hard for the Cleveland Indians to try and make them the best they could be. When they took a chance on me, you know, that was something that really, it means something to me. And then loyalty means a lot to me. And so, uh, I'm excited about this organization. I'm excited about the people we have in it. I love the partnership with Rocco. I love the partnership with our ownership. And at the end of the day, I I love the Minnesota Twins. And uh, this has been a great place for my family and I, my wife and I my, our two kids, and uh, I, I'm just excited about the 2020 season and beyond.
1: Coaching staff-wise, Rousen Gunn, Shelton Gunn, how much will you miss those guys? Oh, I, Anytime you have tremendously
0: talented staff members, and I think about Derek Shelton and James Rousen and Jeremy Hefner as well, you know, these guys are, are, were huge impacts on our team, but our job is to continue to find ways to, to plug that, because the, those people may get opportunities elsewhere. Now, I was I was the beneficiary of that in an organization that, that grew and developed people really well, and sometimes they moved on to other organizations and leadership positions. I'm proud of those guys, for sure. Now it's Mike Bell's job, and Edgar. Marella's job, and you know, and, and Bob McClure's job to take on those roles and really impact us. And I, I'm excited
1: about the crew we have. That growth when it comes to the front office. I mean, do you like the way that the front office? You know, I mean, the synergy you guys have. The growth I mean like I think about a guy like Daniel Adler like I'm convinced it's when not if he'll be a general manager or president of operations whatever the title is sure. but like to me it's it's a matter of when like he will lead an organization do you like the way that, that you guys synergize there in the front office and the growth in the front office you know, my, my goal is only to hire people who could do my job better than me so
0: seriously I, at the end of the day if we're hiring people who we think are stars who can continue to grow and develop and want to learn and get better Daniel's one of them Jeremys Zoll's another I mean there's so many others within our group that are going going to continue to get better and impact. And again, I I just reflect on my own experience. If I didn't have mentors and people that cared about my development in that way, I wouldn't be standing here today. I think the sign of a great team and a great organization is one that does have people leave and and pursue opportunities and get a chance to do a job that is is a tremendous opportunity for their life and their career. That's my goal, to try and create a culture and environment that keeps churning out great people in the front office, great people in our clubhouse, great people in our minor league development staff, because that will mean we're doing something right. Are you still looking for a starter? I just talked to Jim. He said you've got some financial flexibility if you want to utilize it. Well I would say this and I've said this before and it's probably a broken record for you guys, but I don't turn off my phone. So, you know, until we uh, until we're playing games in really in late March and April, and whether it was Marwin Gonzalez last year in the middle of spring training, Lance Lynn the year before, you just you never know what opportunities are going to present. I couldn't have predicted those either of those two things uh, at this stage of of the off season last year and, and the year before. I just I will tell you that our job is to try and find ways to make this team better. We'll continue to think about ways to do it. This could be the vast majority of the club that we break camp with right now, but it doesn't mean we're going to stop having uh, having conversations. What
1: about some injury updates? I mean, I guess it would be Buxton, Polanco, Marwin, right? Yeah. Nelson, am I forgetting anybody? I guess Rich Hill, maybe too.
0: Sure. So I, you know, I'll start with uh, I'll start with Byron. He was up here last week, and really, he looked great. You know, he, the the key for us right now is actually slowing him down. Byron has a tendency to want to just get out there and go. And in any surgery, you want to make sure you're following doctor's protocol. So uh, we'll we'll slow it down, make sure that he's in a good place. He'll be swinging against pitching when the time is right, when the when the shoulder strength is exactly where it needs to be. So we'll get down to Florida, and he, he looks good right now. Jorge Polanco's here right now. Saw him yesterday. He was. Running running right into the training room and bouncing around. He looks great physically. His ankle says he feels good, so uh, I fully anticipate him on, on a good track as well. Marvin Gonzalez, you know, we knew right when he had that cleanup in the, in the beginning of the offseason, caught that at exactly the right time. Uh, fully expect that he'll be in a good place come workout time uh, in Florida. And then Nelson Cruz, you know, that wrist injury, as we all know, was such a unique thing last year. Um, you know, not something that at this point has persisted or created any challenge for him. So uh, he's down there in the Dominican Republic uh, swinging and hitting as he also Always does. He's a bit of a. Uh, we, talk, we talk about baseball vampire. Just wake up, eat, sleep, and swing. You know. So that's all he does. And and I would say that we feel really good about where we are in terms of Rich Hill. You know, he's somebody who's coming off of a, a procedure that we know will not allow him to start the beginning of the season. We're fully anticipating that. If all goes well, we're hopeful he's pitching and throwing uh, more in rehab in, in late May and early June. You know, we'll see where that goes. Uh, I don't want to rush that, but I would say that that could be a target. It's, it's certainly Rich's target in his mind. But we'll take that as. He starts to throw, we'll get a much better idea of what the timeline looks
1: like. Let you go after this, Bruce dark Gratterol. Chance he's in your bullpen, March 26. I mean, I guess how do you balance? I mean, there's got to be a finite amount of pitches and innings you want him to throw. This year, so how do you balance maybe you know grooming him as a starter in the minors versus you know that he can help you immediately in the bullpen? Well, I think you know he's a young kid and he's got great pitches and he can and he
0: really showed last year pitching in the playoffs for us that he could handle the big stage. So for us, we look at it sometimes a guy and especially in this day and age with the way bullpens are used and the way now we have the three batter minimum and there's going to be some different conversations. You know, a multi inning bullpen piece is incredibly valuable to a team and sometimes that allows a guy to continue to start somewhere down the line too because he's been able to carry some volume. So anything in between, whether it's one inning or five innings or anything in between, we're open to that for R. And we're going to be really sensitive to what we think is best for him
1: in his development as we go forward. Twins president of baseball operations, Derek Falvey. We appreciate Falvey, Polad, Wes Johnson, Randy Dobnek, Willie Burton for all joining the Scoop podcast. Selfishly, I filled in on Score North, Score North Live on what day was it? Tuesday. Noon to two, if you missed it, I had a great conversation with Josh Donaldson's good buddy, pro tennis player, Marty Fish, Sam Mitchell was on that show. He was great on the Wolves. I have Brian Lawton, former Tampa Bay Lightning general manager on the show. He now does great work for NHL Network. He was great analyzing the Wild, laying out scenarios as Bill Guerin navigates the trade waters here leading into the trade deadline of February 24th. Inevitably, the Wild are going to make at least some sort of trade. I mean, that is the expectation. As for the Wolves, they are demanding a lot still for Robert Covington. Gerson Rosas is working the phones Pretty darn good. I guess I would be mildly surprised if he doesn't find some sort of trade out there to make by February 6th. And it remains the same. Just about every team among the top 12 has some level of interest in Robert Covington. But yes, it is true. The Philadelphia 76ers are showing a ton of interest in Covington, but they are canvassing the league. They've had conversations with Denver about Malik Beasley. I mean, Philadelphia, it sounds like, is casting a wide net, but they are huge fans of Robert Covington. All right, we are done. I think we're up against the clock, plus I need to head over to Twins Fest, navigate Twins Fest with the older son Droogie for a couple hours. So it's a busy, busy weekend, a busy week between the TV and the radio job and some personal stuff. So I will cap it here. This has been Scoop Podcast episode 276.